What is going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Daniel's Den. I'm your host, Daniel Pasley. So today I'm just going to discuss the uh, most improved player race. This is something that's been real intriguing to me. I know I've been gone for a while in terms of podcasts, but I have been doing YouTube breakdown videos. If you guys want to check that out on our Instagram page, Daniel's Den. Um, but yeah, you know, with the plug in there, um, I'm definitely going to talk about this race, especially because it's a real intriguing one. I know on my podcast, I talked about Brandon Ingram, but I think this race is more than him. I know a lot of people have maybe listed Luca as being a guy that's possibly in the race, but I, that doesn't really give meaning to this award. It's kind of similar to what we saw last year where a lot of people try to pin, you know, D'Angelo Russell as the guy. And I know I talked about Brandon Ingram, obviously, he, just like D'Angelo was a second pick, but he was a guy that you can even argue just based on New Orleans and what their expectations were and people discussing Zion as a guy as, as who's a generational player. And the guys on the list on the list that I have, I'm going to mention uh, Devontae Graham, Bam Adebayo, as well as Shea Gilgis Alexander, as I think those four are the four finalists. I know there are three selected, but it's kind of tough for me to pick a third guy. So I included all of them. So let's dive into uh, the improvements these players made and why um, Brandon Ingram is my pick to be um, most improved player. So um, before people start hating on me for having four people, you know, this is my show. No, I'm joking. But um, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, I just thought, yes, there are three award finalists for the NBA award show, but obviously this isn't the official show. And also I think um, a lot, I think all these guys deserve some credit in terms of uh, their growth in their game, especially I'm just going to start off with um, Devonte Graham, who I have fourth on my list. If we were going in terms of order, going from bottom to top, I think he's a guy that a lot of people didn't really see as a fill in for Kemba Walker. You know, personally, I had the Hornets as a team that, kind of to me was saying saying to myself, what are they doing? I don't really see anything. I think MJ has tried to find a, you know, he's tried to find a way to manage some of the bad contracts he's uh, given out. And I think Devontae Graham has been a pleasant surprise for them. He's a guy that he has upped his, um, obviously his playing time, his stats are going to go up. But the biggest one is from three. Uh, I think his confidence is there. You know, his nine attempts a game is something that, you know, I think it's something that, it it's real intriguing to me just, just because you see his ability to shoot off the dribble and and his percentage of uh, assisted threes obviously went down because he was running the show a lot more. But to me, I think he's a guy that definitely you see a lot of potential in him in terms of being not only maybe he's not a top tier point guard, but he's definitely a guy that has the potential to be a guy who can knock on the door for potential all-star awards if he can keep this up. The one room for improvement, I definitely say, though, in his game that I would look for when hopefully things open up, whether it's 2021, whether it's six months from now or whether it's um, even 2022, depending on what health experts and doctors have to say. But that's not for us to decide. But for me, I think the biggest thing for for me would probably be his ability to finish at the rim. He shot only 54 percent from from the paint in terms of zero to three feet. And just to give that comparison, um, this is a guy, obviously, that is not really a, a household name, but TJ Warren, for example, just, shooting, just using his shooting chart, he shot 68%, which, which is above average. 54% is average, 
John Morant does shoot that, but he's a rookie and he's a guy that has shown ability to finish over defenders despite being a lot smaller. So I'd like to see Devontae Graham kind of mix it up, maybe add a floater, maybe add some type of sweeping hook, kind of something in terms of uh, his mid-range arsenal. Because I think, yes, he, he can set up his uh, at-the-rim game with his jumper, but you got to make defenses pay, especially when you get to the paint. I know he's a smaller guard, but i definitely like to see him kind of mix up the floater, maybe studying guys like Chris Paul or Tony Parker. You know, he's a young guy. He did do four years at Kansas, but at the end of the day, he's under the age of 25, so there's so much room to go. And just moving on, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he was a guy that a lot of people in the Clippers organization were very high on. It was kind of devastating for them to trade him. But obviously, when you want to get a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George a win-now type of situation, a lot of teams would pick that rather than uh, you know waiting a couple years down the line to be a legit contender, and that's not always guaranteed. So the thing with me, with Shea, the biggest thing, he's a big guard. He's about 6'6". He can defend. He can shoot the three. That's something that I was looking for. His shot, and you know, we kind of looked at it. It was kind of to a lot of scouts. They may say, oh, it doesn't really have rhythm. It's a little bit of a set shot, and it's still there, but I think his his comfort from three is definitely there. You can see it in, in his attempts, having 3.5 um, attempts per game. And that's something that is definitely not an elite level in terms of shooting nine threes per game, like a Devontae Graham or even a Stephen Curry shooting about 11 threes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at his, I think during his MVP year. I'd have to double check that. But, you know, a lot of people are definitely shooting a lot of, a lot of threes and even guys like Dame shooting about 10 a game. So I think that's something that's going to have to improve for him. But I, I'm like what, I, what I'm seeing. In, I, you can kind of see the, the, the role of Chris Paul. He does have a good mid-range touch. He does have a good in-between game. And being a bigger guard, you can get a shot off on a lot of guys. And once he definitely develops, I think teams are going to adjust. And what I, what I see from him is a guy that could potentially be an all-star t- uh, type of talent. And, you know, I've I've kind of said that, you know, a lot of people kind of compare him and his cousin, uh, Nikhil, on the Pelicans. But I think there are two guys that are really skilled, but obviously Shea's in a different situation. But I definitely say that Shea is a guy that, to me, has so much versatility, has such a tremendous way to go. And it's scary to think of because I think he can be an all-defensive type of player, depending on uh, how things uh, round up in his career. So moving on, Bam Adebayo is a guy to me. A lot of people in the Heat organization valued him more than Whiteside. They felt that. Uh, Whiteside was holding the team back. According to multiple reports, this isn't just me kind of saying things based on my opinion, but even just watching the film and thinking about uh, a lot of the things that they said, you can kind of see why they they would value uh, a guy like Bam over Hassan Whiteside, even though Hassan Whiteside is a guy, not an all-star center, but he's a guy that does good uh, production, does get good production in terms of numbers. But then you look at the film and you see a lot of missed rotations, a lot of overselling in terms of him trying to swat shots rather than containing the dribble penetration and just simple stuff like that. I think the Heat felt that he was kind of playing towards, you know, earning that paycheck in terms of uh, his stats rather than people actually watching film. But Bam Adebayo to me is a guy that he he has so much versatility. He's not really he's not a seven footer. He's about six ten. 
a guy who can guard a lot of wings, can guard even guards. You saw even with Toronto, his ability to make Pascal drive at him, has long arms, is really strong, is a guy that can hold his own when guys try to muscle him in the post. And he has a length, like I said, but at the same time, he can move his feet. That's something that a lot of a lot of big guards, uh, not guards, big uh, forwards uh, tend to, you know, struggle with. And for me, he's he does play the five if you look at the starting lineup based on height. But at the same time, he's a guy that he has so much versatility. His dribble handoff action in terms of uh, him being a playmaker is something that I definitely like from what I see. I think he does have a the potential to be maybe like a I'm not saying he's going to be as good as a Chris Weber, but he has that type of potential to be a good passer from the pinch post, a good uh, passer in terms of dribble handoff action going to the wing. And he has um, shown great improvements. He he averages five assists per game, which is real, real intriguing to me. But I think the turnovers have to get cut down. I know he's going to have the ball a lot. And obviously, just looking at the tape and even just looking at other people's numbers, you may say, hey, um, LeBron averages four turnovers in this year, whatever the case is. But I think for a guy like Bam and because Miami – they don't really have a true point guard. I think the turnovers per game to me is something that he has to improve on, but that's something that is real fresh to him. And I think he has the ability to be a good playmaker and also create for himself. But uh, lastly, the guy that I have as a, my pick would probably be ben, uh, Brandon Ingram. I know D'Angelo Russell last year was a guy that a lot of people in terms of their rebuttal to saying that he was the selection over Pascal would say, Hey, you know, Pascal was a second uh, second round pick type of pick in terms of uh, his value. And if I'm not mistaken, that's where he was selected. But um, he was a guy that a lot of people didn't really know of. A lot of people felt he played in a small conference. So he probably had inflated numbers. But then you saw in the NBA, you saw in the finals, you've seen even this year, uh, Pascal is a guy that worked his butt off. And obviously the situation in Toronto allowed for him to develop with the G League and and, so, and all sorts of development strategies that they have. But I think in the case of Brandon Ingram, he kind of got lost in the fold in L.A. Even before LeBron got there, they did try to use him as a playmaker. But I think you you saw his touch in terms of his shooting, but then you look at his numbers and you say, how is this guy not really that good of a three-point shooter? And he didn't really take a lot. He shot about two per game in his first three years. And that's the biggest thing that stands out for me, or one of the big things that stands out for me, and then if you look at his attempts this year, he's averaging 6.3 attempts per game and shooting 39% if you round it up, 38.7 to be exact. His highest since 2018, which was a year that he only averaged about two attempts per game. So that doesn't really say a lot in terms of his aggressiveness back then. But now you can see, just looking at the tape, you see his form. He has a lot more rhythm in his shot. He doesn't really look like he's pausing. He doesn't have like a slight hitch in terms of the rhythm, even at the free throw line, his attempts were about the same. And I know a lot of LeBron haters going to say, well, he's probably getting to the line more. He's probably getting this more. And obviously he's getting more shots. It's, it's a different situation. But even in L.A. his last year, he averaged 5.6 attempts per game. This year, slight uptick to 5.9. But then you look at the percentages. He shot 67.5% in his uh, last year. And then this past year, 85.8%. So it's it's good uh, improvement. And even just looking at his film, it looks like he's he's uh, adjusted his routine, seems to have more rhythm generation, a lot more 
energy transformation in terms of getting from his his feet to the top of his shot, things don't look like they're kind of out of whack. You kind of look at his shot, and I kind of compared to Scottie Pippen, a guy who was a good shooter later in his Bulls days, but from the free throw line, he was always erratic. And him just looking at their uh, routines, I think they they were very similar in terms of the way Scotty would pause and it kind of seemed like they were aiming and kind of overthinking. Maybe it was a coaching cue that they're being told, but I think uh, this year he definitely made the adjustments in the offseason and he kept them afloat. And that's something that stands out for me. I, the Pelicans, obviously, with drafting Zion, a lot of people feel that he's a generational type of player. He's a guy who may be the most impactful, you know, first overall pick since LeBron James. And that says a lot, but I think Brandon Ingram, his development, and his growth should not be overlooked. And another big improvement before I um, wrap things up, just uh, looking at his attempts from 10 to 16 feet, he uh, averages a good amount. But then if you look at the percentages, um, he shot 43.7% from 10 to 16 feet. So that's a good chunk of his mid-range pull-ups. That's something I saw in terms of looking at old Laker film. He didn't really shoot a high percentage on his pull-ups. He was in the 30s uh, from from mid-range during his time in L.A., having many, I know it was a small sample size, three years, but it was pretty much around the mid to one year. It was in the high 30s, which isn't really that great, but then he has a huge jump this year, and you you can see the rhythm. He's real comfortable in his shot, and you kind of see that KD comparison in terms of his ability to be a lanky guy who can have a high release and finish over top of high hands, and he's a guy that, Let's let's uh, look at New Orleans and say th- if this team can get um, everybody healthy, everybody on the same page, I think um, that's a big thing. And it gives Zion some comfort in terms of having a guy who can score. And I feel like with them having a lot of guards and a lot of wings who can finish and can play make, that's another thing that Brandon Ingram has shown the ability to do. But having a guy like Lonzo, obviously, is going to have his numbers not really be not really I like eight per game, but I think he can get to the five or six per game, depending on how uh, they approach their pick and roll schemes and stuff. But I, I really like what I saw from Brandon Ingram. I think he's a guy that, despite being a number two pick, as I've said, did get lost in the fold. But I did see a lot of growth from him. This whole class in general, I think these four names are going to be names to look out for. Names that I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to be superstars, but you never know in terms of being that. LeBron or KD and Steph type of tier, Harden, so on. There's a, that's a short list, but um, I think this is a group that could be potential stars and be uh, multiple-time All-Stars. So that's my take on the Most Improved Player Award. Please let me know what you guys think. Hope you are all staying safe. Make sure you're washing your hands, keeping good hygiene. This is Daniels Den. Take care, people. That's all, folks.